0: Wealthy was the northern kingdom of Israel. Rich materially, Solomon had left it. But spiritually, it lay in ruins, <clears throat> with idolatry, infidelity, and disregard for the poor extending all the way to the king. And it was this king that Amos said would die by the sword and his people be exiled. Flee The king's idolatrous priest commanded Amos, who replied, I was no prophet, nor have I belonged to a company of prophets. I was a shepherd and dresser of sycamores. The Lord took me from following the flocks and said to me, go prophesy to my people Israel. Amos sounds reluctant, doesn't he? I was content, really, with the sheep and the trees. But it's not unusual for God to call someone from a quiet life to one that involves a person more deeply in his work of setting things right, which in a fallen world necessarily includes trials and sufferings. And for many called in this way trials and hardships even precede their formal mission preparing them for the task God has assigned Take Isaiah whose lips were purified by burning coal held in the hand of an angel making him ready for the mission for which he would volunteer Think of Jesus, who for forty days in the desert was then tempted by the devil prior to his public ministry. And recall our patron, John Paul II, whose early days saw the terror of Nazis and Soviets, brushes with death and hard labor and the loss of his parents and friends. There is a pattern here with those God calls in a special way. So you shouldn't be surprised that you too have been tried. Very few have been given the task of beginning a parish. And that work alone is hard enough. But with COVID and no place to call home, with a pastor making a humble and hard decision to step away? And a priest with great responsibilities elsewhere covering just the basics here? Few days have I been here, and I've already heard more than one person say, why would you take an assignment like this? The pattern you've lived, the pattern we are now living is not without precedent for those God calls in a special way. This testing and this mission has come to no one else than to you and to me. God has foreseen it. He has permitted it. This is His providence. This is our destiny. It is no coincidence. With God, nothing is lost. Nothing is without value. No experience, no gain or loss, no suffering or joy, no apparent failure. With God, nothing is without value. We've had months, even years, of trials, setbacks, and disappointments. Not to dissuade us, but to refine us. Not to discourage us, but to strengthen us. Not to break us down, but to enable us to build something new and something needed. Buildings that are functional, beautiful, and strong enough to withstand the Kansas winds? Yes. But there are fiercer winds of blowing than what we feel on our skin. Winds that would rewrite our nation's history and founding and teach it to our kids, destabilizing them and demoralizing those with patriotic ambitions. Winds that limit human aspirations to this life and the things we can possess and consume. Winds that situate human identity on nothing more significant than the fiat of celebrities and the pressure of interest groups and feed it to our youth as a vast social experiment. Winds that reduce the grandeur of human nature to a little old label. Black, white, brown, L, G, B. Wins that howl, there is no God, and we are better off without him. It is precisely in the face of such destructive forces that God has tried us and called us together and said, Form a fellowship. Develop a community. Build a church that witnesses to my love, that testifies to the transcendent, that carves out space for the religious, that embodies the truth that God has entered into time and became visible, audible, tangible. Teach my children what a human being is about their purpose and their dignity, which is so much greater than what they're given out there. We may have been content dressing sycamores and watching sheep, quietly doing our own thing, but God has called us to collaborate with him in setting things right in this world and in this parish of JP 2 But we certainly do not have to collaborate with God, which is the gist of our gospel today. His is the good news, the news which saves us from a life lived in vain. But God respects his creature man, he forces his good news on no one. He offers it and invites reciprocity and responsibility. Take nothing for your journey, only a walking stick, no food, no sack, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not a second tunic. And he said to them, wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave. Whatever place does not welcome you or listen to you, leave there and shake the dust off your feet in testimony against them look what he's worked into the very proclamation of the gospel peter james john you have none of the essentials all you have is my word if you try to impose it force it on those who do not want it you will not survive and he is saying to all those who are hearing their words and from them god's words down to our day all my messengers have is the good news. That means that those to whom they are sent must provide for the possibility of the proclamation of the gospel. Otherwise, the ministers die and must move on their way. Which means a building? Yes. We are physical beings. It's hard to listen well in heat and cold and snow and rain. It means giving time and resources. It means sacrifices, dedication, perseverance. And where reciprocity and responsibility for the gospel are lacking, the community withers according to its faith as is widely seen across our beloved country in our day. Friends, a day may come when faith fails, when the bonds of fellowship with Christ are broken and he shakes his feet of us. But it is not this day. An hour of howling winds and evil forces when the civilization of man comes crashing down. But it is not this day. This day we rise from lesser things. By all that you hold dear on this good earth, I bid you arise from the quiet life, from the sycamores and the sheep. You have been tested. You have been tried. Take your place within the lofty call given to us. Commit yourself. Recommit yourself to the mission God has entrusted to me and to you. Stand with Amos and the prophets, with Jesus Christ and John Paul the Great. Rise up now. There is much work to do. Sorry to keep you for just a little bit of extra time. My instincts obviously run in the other direction, which is why I moved announcements to before Mass begins, because at the end I want you to go and so do you. <laughs> but I thought this morning i to say just a word about who this guy is in front of you. My name is Father Brandon Farrar, typically go by Father Farrar, and I think that's Because of where I grew up, southwestern Kansas, we didn't have the same religious order influence like the Benedictines that you all have up in this part of the state. I grew up around the diocesan trees. Grew up on a farm outside of a small town called Hugoton, only about 3,500 people. I have an older brother and a younger sister. Mom and dad had deeply integrated into our family's life, the words of St. Paul. He who does not work should not eat or play baseball, or go out with friends. Ours was a devout family. Prayed the rosary together, went to confessions together regularly. Obviously at mass, my brother and I served. My parents provided for music and Even though that was the case, I had not thought about priesthood until I got into college. I started college as an engineering major, West Texas A&M, because a friend of mine from school did that, and I thought, well, he's smart, I'll do it. But as I was in my second year in a chemistry lab, as I recall, mixing chemicals, I thought, this is fine and well. But not for me. Then I began to look at different possibilities until one evening at a campus ministry dinner, one of the guys or the guys at the table talked about seminary. And even though I'd grown up in a devout family, I just don't recall hearing that word. And I thought, I could do that. But look what I can't do if I do that. So, I began to discern back and forth for many years. I ended up with a degree in psychology, thinking, well, that's helpful and something close to what priests do. When I graduated, my brother graduated from optometry school, moved to Emporia, and invited me to stay with him and go to grad school there, which I did, had a uh, research assistant position given to me, so it was a good deal, staying for free, schooling fairly the most part free and sitting in a a room with like 27 girls and two guys and I thought these are pretty good odds (laughs) but my mind kept going to the seminary so when I realized that I did I, I left school Went to seminary outside of Chicago, and then in Rome, where Father Riley went, and from our residence, we could hear John Paul II speaking during his Wednesday audiences. Following ordination, I was assigned for three years at St. Joe's in Shawnee, six years at Baldwin City, which is south of Lawrence, six years at Sacred Heart in Emporia, and now I'm grateful to be here with all of you at John Paul II. I knew when Father Andrew stepped away to take some time, priests sometimes are given a little advance notice of what was coming and so when he had decided and composed what he was going to say that weekend when he announced that he would not be back, we saw it shortly in advance. So when I saw that I texted Father Riley And I said, congratulations on your contract extension. I said, you're like an NFL quarterback, really. And he said, I would love to have you come here. And I texted back, I think you'd love to have anything that breathes and wear a collar come there. And he said, but your name has been mentioned regarding this assignment. And somehow, when I read that uh, Father Andrew would not be returning, somehow I knew or sensed that my days in Emporia were through, that the Archdiocese and its pre-shortage would scrape the bottom of the bucket and disrupt my peaceful life and send me here with all of you. So I was able to begin working a little bit early here because of the circumstances in the parish. I asked Father Riley if that would be okay. We divvied up some duties. One of the du- duties that fell to me was looking for temporary property for offices and Father Riley talked about offices like an industrial flex space where you would have some offices in a warehouse where we could have some meetings or weekday mass and I said good, I'll, I'll get to work. So in April I began doing that with in mind thinking I'd much rather find a place where we could do everything all at once but I didn't tell him that of course we enlisted a a realtor and by that time the staff and I had gotten together began to look at some places we happened across the vacated Aldi Thought, wow, we could do everything there, but they would not even return our phone call regarding renting it. And then one day, the realtor said, hey, there's this place, Mission Southside on South Ridgeview. Have you looked at that? And I said, well, actually, the first time I went to John Paul second, I missed my turn and turned around in that place. And I thought, well, could we, could we use that? Could we rent that? And everybody said, no, it doesn't work. Well, when I received an email or a phone call from the realtor, I thought it doesn't hurt to look, right? So the staff and I went and looked, it's a total of 15,000 square feet, 7,500 upstairs, 7,500 downstairs, the main place for worship, many offices, classrooms, etc. The staff loved it, and then at the end we asked their agent, okay, what could we lease this for? And he said, lease? So they're not really interested in leasing it. Oh, I was disappointed. I, I thought, where did I come up with that possibility from? So I went back to my emails and I found one from the man at the Archdiocese, Dan, who oversees all the real estate. And he sent me a link to Mission Southside, and then he said, and you know Darren Griffith? And that was it. And yeah, I knew Darren Griffith, he was a former parishioner of mine at Baldwin City. But I thought, what the heck does he have to do with this? I mean, you know pushy parishioners, right? But I thought, wow. So after that disappointing conclusion to our tour, I thought I got to call Darren and see what this is up because he had emailed me a week before and said hey I lost your number could you call me and I thought he had seen my face in the leaven and was just wanting to make my life busier at that time so I pushed him off a day and he called left a message and said hey I found your number (laughs) call me so I called him on that way on my way home that Tuesday we chit-chatted a bit, and he said, yeah, I bet you think this is strange. He said, because when you were with us at Baldwin, I was working for Shreddit. He said, the owner of Shreddit sold the franchise for a pretty penny, and it's on his heart to buy properties to help tr- startup churches find a place to worship and to be. And he said, he asked me to come work for him. He said, but we've never done a deal with the Catholic Church because you're structured differently. The land is bought, and you build something. And he said, but the other day I was having lunch with Dan from the Archdiocese, and Dan began talking about the woes of this parish, JP 2 and of this new priest Father Ferrar, and he said I gotta admit I was just half listening to what he was saying as I was munching on my sandwich and it took me two days to put two and two together and he said what we'd like to do is buy that property for you and give you a very reasonable lease rate. Lease it as long or as short as you would like it. And my mouth is just dropped as I'm driving home on that day, thinking, what is this? So I called our realtor, the agent we had working for us. I told him, he said, that sounds like a miracle to me. <laughs> Me too. That was the Tuesday. Friday they made an offer. The following week the contract was signed and we're within the 45 days of due diligence, which ends August 16th, before they paint the walls and put in new flooring with a few other renovations and we can take possession. Think of everything that had to happen in order for that to happen. It's no coincidence. I didn't have to be assigned to Baldwin. Darren and I didn't have to get along. I didn't have to be assigned here. He didn't have to go to lunch with this guy. It's stunning. God has intervened. Think of what this means for us. A dedicated place for mass, which most especially will lighten the load of our staff. You've got to thank them for they have borne a heavy load. They have worked in a garage for five years. They need their own space, believe me. Dedicated place for mass offices, and classrooms so that we can finally begin to teach our kids. Room for the nights and other small groups. But also think about the enormous task that lies ahead of equipping and furnishing 15,000 square feet of space, not to mention landscaping, cleaning and such things. God has intervened on our behalf and he awaits our response. I simply cannot do this on my own and the gospel says you shouldn't even try. I need your help. We must want this, want what He's offering. Outside, you may have seen clipboards to sign up for mass ministries. Yes, we'll have serving again. We need more lectors. obviously. We need more extraordinary ministers. But there's also a clipboard that says JP2 Southside Startup Committee. So if you're interested in helping out with that group, we'll have a big meeting and begin to divvy up duties and make it happen. Friends, it's a new day at JP2. God has tried us and prepared us for the work this world needs us to do. Listen for his voice calling you. Rise. let us be on our way.